You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to this this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. That's great. Start out strong. I'm your host, Richard Franzi. This is podcast episode number 1,150. You couldn't tell it from that introduction, could you? Uh, Sustani Capital invests in blockchain technologies to help reshape business landscape. One of their main emphasis is tokenization strategies and smart contracts. I've invited Christian K. Meyer here today to talk about their blockchain and cryptocurrency uh, involvement and in the space, and to just generally educate our listening audience about these exciting new technologies. Christian, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show. Well, thank you for having me. Okay, let's before we get into that, let's talk a bit about you. Sure. Uh, give give us a little background, an interesting story, kind of set the context for you as an entrepreneur. Sure. The f- the first obvious thing is that you probably noticed that I have an accent, so I moved to the United States in two thousand after. Uh, we sold our internet service provider back in Germany at the right time, so stopped being a lawyer at that point in time, became a venture capitalist and started investing mainly in multi-massive online player games and um, voice over IP technology. Back in 2000, I've been doing some form of investing and some form of entrepreneurship ever since. Why Southern California? Well, the weather. Okay, really? <laughs> so now, you had the choice to relocate. Yeah, so now uh, really uh, what happened was we were looking at a company um, in Carlsbad, of all things, mm. um, to invest in when I was still living back in Hamburg. And I touched down in San Diego at the time, and it felt like coming home. Sounds sounds odd, but right. it felt like uh, that's where I needed to be. So I phoned home said, I'm moving here, and wow. six months later I moved here. Had you been here before? Um, not specifically to California. So, okay. Uh, 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 not specifically to Southern California. I visited San Francisco a few times, Los Angeles a few times, but not not this particular area, and I really love it. So, well, say no <laughs> what's more. What's not to love? Right. right. Well, what's not, what's, what's not to love about Southern California? So, if, can I peel back that a little bit? Because sure. from your experience now being a global entrepreneur, right, having right. successfully scaled a company in a foreign right. country, at least to us it is, and now doing it again here in the U.S., can right. you just share a little bit about your direct experience about comparing and contrasting that? Yeah, a, a few things that immediately kind of stood out to me, having my particular background in A in technology and then B in law, was uh, like a lot of things um, that are very obviously different are things like privacy back then, for example. Like a lot of things that um, the credit agencies do here and have been doing for a long time would be legal where I am from. I taught privacy law right out of law school before getting into the technology space. And so this is becoming now more obvious with California introducing their own GDPR-like privacy laws and et cetera. Right. So that's very reminiscent of what I expected to find and I didn't. I was actually shocked of what all these companies could do with your data, collect it, sell it, et cetera. So that was very different. So that's obvious. a uniquely American uh, situation here? Um, yeah. I, mean, okay. I don't know if it's uniquely American, but it's definitely very different from a European context. European, right. I don't know if you're familiar with the GDPR in, in particular, but that's um, basically what California is introducing now. That's right. very, very similarly fashioned. And it kind of also reaches into the whole blockchain space because you need to solve these identity problems that you have, right? So on one hand, you've got identity problems in the developing nations where there's more than a billion people that don't have identity documentation, right? So by definition, they can't 
participate in the modern world, right? They, they, you can't open up a bank account and so forth, and that's more than a billion people. And then on the other hand, you got a lot of people in the developed nations, they had their identity compromised, right? Mm -hmm. So Equifax had a breach with 146 million identities, so the, which what that basically means is that every US identity is available on the black market for pennies on the dollar to be had for anybody to then assign rights to, right? If you extend this particularly to the blockchain space. But we'll, I guess we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah, we're going to get to that more. in a minute. But uh, so from an uh, ecosystem right. around an entrepreneur, from your experience in Germany and now your experience scaling a business here in Southern California, can you give us some sense for the difference? Well, the U.S. entirely is a little more let's say, entrepreneurial friendly to okay. to where um, you got more venture capital, obviously, that's the most obvious part. That's why everybody is kind of streaming specifically into the Bay Area. But then also where I'm coming from, um, we have a very rigid kind of educational system has its um, it's pros, but also has a lot of cons, right? So you can't call yourself anything where I'm from unless you actually went to school for it. You went to either um, a vocational school or trade school and actually have a quote-unquote degree in that particular subject and here anybody that's self-taught um, can do whatever they want basically and uh -huh. that's particularly true in a lot of the entrepreneurial in endeavors where by definition in like where I'm from you would be excluded like uh, that would be the first thing that we people want to check off do you have a degree in that particular field okay. that you're trying to operate in and and you don't it's like well you're probably not even able to do that right so that's very restricting that's why entrepreneurship in Germany in particular is like a third of what it's here. Interesting. And uh, accordingly also venture capital is uh, much smaller than it is here. But uh -huh. again, that's very specifically uh, to, uh, specific to Southern California where, where you have a lot of concentrated venture capital based on its so, history. So let's bring this, uh, kind of put a bow on it, but sure. when you talk to your friends who are entrepreneurs and business owners back in Germany, right. Are they, well, how do they respond to these degrees of freedom that you're now experiencing? Uh, to be honest, I, I don't have all that much contact anymore. No? I'm actually just trying to reestablish contact <laughs> because uh, I've been so focused on just local businesses, basically. And um, actually just talked to this morning to some new business partners back in Britain to see how we can do some of that technology transfer that's coming from there. Because what you'll see is specifically in this new technology space, there are certain um, developments that are being driven by certain cultures. So okay. uh, as I alluded to earlier, um, if if you're very sensitive to privacy, you already gave this a lot of thought, right? There's a lot of legal background. At the same time, if you look at things like the euro, right? So there were a lot of people involved making this happen, right? To make one currency happen for a lot of different countries. Right. And so that's a very specific skill set that these people developed for a decade or more uh, that you can now deploy in this new paradigm of blockchain and cryptocurrencies because you need to understand how economies work and how economies work cross borders, which is something again where uh, the United States has somewhat of a disadvantage for being somewhat of an island, being not directly exposed mm -hmm. to other cultures, other currencies, other countries, to where if you um, have been educated in any of the smaller European countries, you most likely immediately got exposed to a lot of different jurisdictions that you had to interact with and respond to and so forth, right? So that gives you a different perspective sure. and makes you consider other cultures, other um, regulations and so forth. And the United States for the most part, 
could just act with inside inside of their borders right? right if you if you're a lawyer in los angeles chances are all you ever do is that particular <laughs> little field of law you're never exposed to any international contracts that have to do with france or italy for that matter you're, you're just going to be right. an injury lawyer in los angeles so to speak right. or, or maybe or you'll whatever. do business in nevada yeah but you've got the largest consumer market uh in, in your reach, so it's going to be some time before you run out of right. um, uh, clients or purchases of your product before you actually make the jump to another jurisdiction and introduce another complication like another language and or another legal system. But, uh, yeah. So Christian, let's turn our attention now to sure. you and how you decided this chapter of your entrepreneurial career should be around these technologies what what right. was it that got you saying that's the next phase and what i want to do right so in, initially when i got into internet i was super excited about all its possibilities i read the original works of tim berners lee and he basically in his original work so he created the html which kind of um, makes up the world right. wide web as we see it today still and so i really got excited about the idea of connecting brains so that was kind of the vision in, in the way that i described that and this really hasn't happened so what i mean by that is um, we created kind of this uh, centralized monolith where only a few companies provide access to it and a few companies direct eyeballs on top of that mm -hmm. right and so about uh, 12 years ago I started writing an outline um, on that to see how could we decentralize that like what what would be the steps that would be needed to secure an equal distribution of content make sure that you you're not inundated with advertising and so forth and so when i first came across bitcoin i didn't actually think it was all that important because i only looked at its um currency aspect but then when i i read uh, the ethereum white paper i realized oh this is the smart contract system enables something that i wanted to do for a long time which has put all of the lawyers out of business including myself and, and i did this before but the point there being is that if you create a structure where you let everybody um, actually contribute you don't need those bottlenecks anymore right, right? and right. so we to this day we don't have a search engine right so google is not a search engine google is an advertising company right you define a company by how it makes its money it makes its money 100 percent from advertising you are not google's client un unless you participate in adwords but i I don't know if you do, but it doesn't matter because you definitely use Google for searches, right? Right. Um, but in that context, you're actually the product that Google is selling to the advertisers, exactly. right? So that creates this misalignment of interest where you hopefully and naturally would want the best result from your search engine, right? That is most useful to you, but uh, that's not in their best interest, right? Because if they present you with the best result right away, you click on that and you don't click on any ads. Mm. So. The optimization that holds true for Facebook and the other social media companies is mainly um, directed towards m commercializing you, right? Commercializing your data, collecting your data, selling it back to the advertisers. Sure. That's what their business is about. And unless you change that paradigm, which is hard to do if you're a for-profit corporation that is responsible to shareholders, uh, then you aren't very likely to fix that right mm -hmm. and I, I went down a another rabbit hole and I, I tend to do that so stop me whenever i do no it's, <laughs> so our audience are entrepreneurs right. and business owners of running companies kind of a couple million dollars to a hundred million dollars right. across all different spaces across north america right so so i'd like to with your knowledge of of blockchain and bitcoin help them to become more comfortable with the coming wave of what smart contracts could mean to their business right. and how they might be able to leverage what you're seeing based right. on your 
focus. Right. So the the very big picture, and then we can kind of hone in on a couple of examples. But the very picture, big picture is the, an economy exists of t two main things. You got production and consumption, right? And in in between, you got intermediaries and mechanisms to bridge the gap right we mm -hmm. used to be agrarian societies where you lived off the land and we kind of s um, switch this around for most people don't produce the things that they consume anymore but what you had to do is you had to um, create these middlemen right yeah. and uh, in the sense also those middle way and middle layers like um, money and currencies like um currency solve the co double coincidence of one's problem right and that's what bitcoin uh, addresses right so it's the currency aspect the money aspect and that's what most people don't qu quite understand is simply the agreement that we agree that this is money so that that's the only part to that and that's kind of basic economies um, economic fundamentals that people need to recollect because we're still using legacy definitions of all these terms that don't fit current technology anymore so fast forward so speaking of other currencies and other currencies could be mechanisms of tra transportation transportation of information so um, if you look back in time when the internet was introduced it interrupted a lot of different industries but mostly those that had to do with distributing information so the publishing industries right, right. So publishers have suffered tremendously mm -hmm. from that because everything is moving online before and you can media. ever yeah, yeah before you can ever publish this on paper obviously you will find that online and so um, they went out of business um, for the most part and uh, the, the few remaining ones are either putting up paywalls like the New York Times and or fi finding other ways of revenues like organizing events and so forth but um, so all the other protocols that came after they are as interesting like voice of IP for example right, right. so all of a sudden no one has to pay by the minute anymore and then most importantly email I'm, uh, you probably send way more emails than you send postal letters today right so oh, sure who doesn't and so the what bitcoin introduced was money over ip so it's, it's the same kind of paradigm to where hey why would i need the privilege from a bank and or a credit card that taxes me or even government money which is also a tax right so mm -hmm. by the virtue of the government printing money it's just another form of tax so in in essence they should make up their mind it's like are you taxing me or printing money you choose one because both are taxes <laughs> um but so the, the the short story here for a business to bring this full circle hopefully is um that you want to look out for those reduction in middlemen so it's going to start with financial services first as much as you can so if your business let's say you're deploying a, a point of sale system look for one that's starting to deploy uh, decentralized ledgers so okay. decentralized ledgers is the generic term for for blockchain, blockchain right, right. Um, and so start to look for banks that do real-time settlements, which are coming this year. So normal banks until today are still using the SWIFT system, which is to say they, they have bank hours, right? So you can't actually settle anything between uh, the hours of after 6 p.m. to whatever, 9 in the morning when nice they thing. offer and not on the weekends. I mean, uh, it's... It's literally like uh, you, you're shutting off emails. Like, right. or you don't, right? right? And so at the time when we had email, we should also at the same time had introduced money over IP. So the banks are still pushing against that, although we already know of some that are actually actively working towards solutions for that. And then what comes with that is instant settlement and instant availability 
of your money, right? Right. Super important. And then right. also reduction of any merchant fees and things um, like microtransactions right now. Not possible, right? If you have a merchant account, there's a minimum fee per transaction. And so you can't charge five cents because charging five cents costs you 30 cents in total, right? So <laughs> it's not and, worth it, right? So there's a lot of things along that line. But then most importantly, uh, what we should be looking for is A, solving the identity, and the, the other part is uh, solving asset management. So what I mean by that, there's a lot of talk about this whole topic of quote-unquote security tokens. They don't exist. They will never exist until we solve identity. The reason being is that um, security is any form of ownership. It's a key lock system because some of the the criteria you're looking for, they're inherent in you. It's your position as an accredited investor or your citizen or non-US citizen or whatever you might have. And then on the other side, you have assets that go with certain ownership rights and that require a certain type of person. So as long as you're introducing yet another middleman, you might as well stay with the current paradigm. Mm -hmm. So as long as you're creating a platform, you actually don't have a token. A token in a blockchain context is a peer-to-peer -peer instrument. So what's it's being deployed in the sense of what I initiated, uh, initially described as in the voice over IP system, but now it's assets over protocol, mm. any type of asset. But what it requires is that we introduce all the protocols that solve all the endpoints so that we don't need these middlemen anymore for on-ramps. So right now you need to go to a bank and um, deal with fiat currencies in order to buy cryptocurrencies. Eventually that will be alleviated. And if you look in other nations, where they didn't have this legacy technology debt, which the SWIFT system and bankings are. Right. So if you look to Sub-Saharan Africa, there the majority of their GDP already moves through digital currencies or like you've probably heard of M-Pesa, for mm -hmm. example. So those are all foreshadowing what's going to happen here. We don't have the necessity or the need right now because you and I have credit cards, we have bank accounts, we have identity documents, but you got billions of people in other countries. For them, it's an immediate need. It's it's not something that's nice to have. Right. It's not something to speculate. It. Right. It's something that they need to need to use. So, so from your perspective, Christian, because I got the sign from the engineer that believe it or not, we've <laughs> used up most of our time. Um, right. Who's going to be disintermediated by the combination of some type of cryptocurrency and then right. the blockchain technology of a right. distributed ledger? Um, anybody at this point in time who've, who's a rent-taking intermediary. So as monolithic as you are, the more vulnerable you are. So a so bank. A bank, uh, Google, Facebook, anybody who doesn't align their interest with the actual stakeholders as well. Would you suggest to a business owner that's listening to the show now or as a podcast in the future, the idea of beginning to figure out how to accept digital currency? And, and if so, how should they consider doing that to benefit their business? Yeah, I mean, there, there are several solutions already, but obviously there's a lot of volatility in that space right now. So if you're relying for that on your general income and to pay your bill, that's bills, that's probably not the best thing. Right, yeah. Although they're stable coins, you probably have heard of that. So you okay. could just accept those and probably put some bitcoins away basically right that's it's like virtual gold uh, uh, again uh, anybody who doesn't have five percent of uh, their net worth in in that particular asset class and i'm sort of reluctant to use that term honestly but um it's probably negligent at this point in time because the likelihood that they prevail is pretty high i mean for uh, even if you shut down the uh, the internet bitcoin would still work and would still exist as one example, but obviously there's many more. But yeah, right. um, start there. Start accepting cryptocurrencies. Just starting. But Bitcoin start is only one of many cryptocurrencies. Yes, and uh, honestly, I wouldn't call it a cryptocurrency at this point in time. That's 
again a very longer discussion and so i don't know if you want me to go down that rabbit we hole. we don't have time for that but but <laughs> what is the headline on why you wouldn't the, call the, it a cryptocurrency because well, they the, do right uh, right I mean, it is uh, yeah, refer to it that way. yeah, it's a catchy term, right? But okay. it, it's kind of like everybody's calling the space crypto. That's kind of like referring to the internet as secure socket layer. Um, oh, okay. uh, it, it's a techno. Uh, it's it's, it's in, it, well, it's an interesting term, but it doesn't really describe what the technology does. So, and and uh, Bitcoin at this moment in time is really the virtual gold. So it's a commodity. So it's not it's not actually a currency. Uh, it's oh. not used okay. as a so currency. Think of it more as a commodity yes. than a currency. So, so it was meant oh, as a currency, cool. but it doesn't function as such so you i mean uh, again so to in order to very simply just define what a currency is it simply right. solves the double coincidence of one's problem which is that it, it's just not uh, it doesn't have a lot of utility you can't go to your local starbucks right now and and pay with it right so that's what you were looking for in quote unquote good money obviously you want right. to be able to move around and pay with it right that's okay. one of its very aspects but that's what stable coins are trying to do Stable coins. Right. Okay. But you can also then focus on blockchain technology and distributor ledger without getting caught up in block in in the coins and the and the right. Okay. And that you want to do for let's say things like um, tracking provenance of something. So you heard of CryptoKitties, right? Mm-hmm. So CryptoKitties. Um, the reason why people were so excited about and they r- raised a lot of money before this protocol was even forked into the mainnet of the Ethereum blockchain was that idea of, hey, you create all of a sudden non-fungible assets. So your typical US dollar is fungible, right? Mm-hmm. So one dollar replaces another one is exactly the same. So uh, what this new standard, the ESC721 standard that makes a CryptoKitty uh, described as a non-fungible electronic asset asset, which has very far-reaching implications to where um, this standard and the advancement of this standard will put platforms such as iTunes out of business, because iTunes is, exists for digital rights management, right? right? So it's the idea that I limit the usage of that particular song or video um, to your five devices specifically, and Apple manages that, and it, it charges, the company charges like 25% or something for, for doing so, right? With blockchain technology, you don't need this particular digital rights management system anymore it's inherent in the digital asset itself and so you will see a lot of these paradigms creeping into other assets because music and mp3 mp4 those are natively digital Mm -hmm. but other things will become natively digital where things are quote-unquote born on the blockchain Mm -hmm. so you can envision uh, that something um, jumps off the distribution line and it exists on the blockchain right away Right. Okay. As doesn't matter if it's your iPhone with its y- unique device ID. You can track it back to its provenance, where where it was bought, where it was sold, who holds it right now, and so forth. And in a lot of scenarios, that makes a huge difference. Right. Uh, I mean, uh, a dollar is the same as another dollar unless you find one that Elvis signed. Right. So all of a sudden, you, you won't, <laughs> yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't trade right. it anymore. But for a lot of other items, you actually want to know that this, let's say, medication or this particular um, technology piece has not been altered has not been sold by a criminal let's say right um and blockchain technology and the new protocols on top of it enable all of those with all out all the middlemen that testify to the provenance of that and that's a large part a part of what the population and modern economies evolve around right. today like if you think about your escrow agent etc so in a few decades from now it will seem entirely strange for us to not be able to sell a house between the two of us directly using a with phone, no middlemen right so right. that's kind of the the high level but okay, there's obviously so way more granular details 
detail that I could talk about. Yeah, and we, and we should have uh, allocated more time next time. And the, the challenge, is, I'm sure you know, Christian, is right. you use so many terms that right. people are confused yeah. about right. that it's hard to follow the logic and the compellingness right. of the underlying platform. So in the future, we should probably attempt to demystify some of that, but not today. Yeah. If someone wants to learn more about what you're doing, where do you tell them to go online? Sure. Um, if you just look for Sustany Capital, you, you'll find How do you spell that? Uh, that's uh, S-U-S-T-A-N-Y. Okay. And then Capital. And um, and why'd you pick that name? Uh, it stands for Sustainability. Okay. And um, that's what we're looking for. So we look for investments three, five years down the road where something is actually being built. We are not into speculating. Okay. Right? We want to support that particular ecosystem. We love that space. We love technology. And that's what we're in for. And that's why we're engaged with all different projects that are actually building the infrastructure now. Now, you said, I don't know, something like 10 or 20 years from now. Do you really think it's going to take that long? Or do you think there's a tipping point and it may happen more in a more accelerated oh, fashion? Oh, yeah. It could happen much faster, obviously. I mean, the... Uh, uh, from the first time the iPhone um, got into your hands to today, is it's been just eleven or twelve years, right? So oh. and, and it's it's prevalent now, right? right? So right. everybody in this country basically has a has a smartphone of one shape or the other, and blockchain technology already has all the rails it needs, right? Okay. The infrastructure um, in form of IP is is already there. So now it's really mostly about agreeing on, uh, um, on on the standards on top of this infrastructure at this moment. It's so maybe when you come scalable. back, we'll talk about smart contracts. How's that? Because that's a definite thing that middle market business owners should be thinking about, in my opinion, the use of and the evolution of smart contracts. Do you agree? Uh, well, that's very granular, to be honest. Okay. I mean, they probably don't have to, like even know about smart contracts. Really? There will be no there, there will be very specific applications that they can employ that are built using smart contracts. Okay. Well, the concept of a smart contract is something I'd like them to understand because you talk about eliminating yeah. middlemen even more. This really cleans up the transaction. Super easy to explain. In, okay. Envision a ma vending machine, throw in a quarter, uh, a Coke comes out. That's just my contract. <laughs> okay, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you, Christian, for being a guest on the radio well, show today. Thank I you appreciate for it. Me. We've covered a lot of ground very quickly. And I'd like to thank fast. Paul, right? Paul Roberts with a slight accent uh, for uh, being a wonderful engineer as he always is. Our producers, without whom we could not do this show, Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. If you'd like to connect with me, let's do it on LinkedIn. I'm Richard Franzi, F R A N Z I. Till our next show, hope all of your business decisions moves your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.